Good morning, Bleacher Brawls family. We are here for another awesome episode. Uh, today, I'm not joined by three of my friends. I'm joined by four of my friends. We got me, the host with the most, also going to win first place in the fantasy football tournament this year. The guy who came out of nowhere, he was like in like ninth out of 10th place the third week in the season. Sneaks out second place in the final standings, gets the bye, and then has tiptoed my way to the finale this week. Let's go. Also, shout out to John for the winner of the toilet bowl. Oh, oh there goes John. <laughs> I think it's the loser of the toilet bowl. I don't consider myself a winner. It's the first time I've ever come in last place in fantasy sports, and it just happened to be with this crew where I can get publicly humiliated on YouTube, on podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. On the website, I'm going to get roasted for losing, and it's the first time I've ever lost. I was miserable, and I stink, and I, there's a punishment coming, ladies and gentlemen. Get ready for it. I'm not looking forward to it at all. I do have to shout out Joey because on draft night, you could have asked 10 of us. You could have asked every single one of us who would come in last place, and Joey would have even said that he's coming in last place. But so he got like seventh or eighth, something like that. Yeah, and I beat I beat John twice. <laughs> My man. I think I got three wins and two of them were against John. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. I didn't honestly, I probably watched one single full football game the whole year. I don't even watch football. So it's really a poor reflection on John that he wasn't able to beat me. I'm very happy slap in the face. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'll throw it over. So I'm here with Barnes, John, Cassim, and Joey today. Throw it over to Cassim. We haven't heard from him yet. What's up, buddy? Not much, man. I'm just like you, Doug. I made it to the Super Bowl in my fantasy football league. Nice. There you go. Got to win. There you know. Greatness. Go Michigan. Go Wolverines, baby. And the Buffalo Bills. Big Monday night for the number one seed. There you go. All right, guys. Uh, so we talked to John and Joey. Barnes, what's up? What's up, Doug? How you doing, buddy? We'll, we'll do first pitch a little bit different today. I already talked to John and Joey and Cassim. Uh we had a good, we've been having some good, uh, you know, Christmas break morning uh, Twitter spaces lately. Hell yeah. So if you're listening to this podcast, you obviously have heard of us. Feel free to join the fun in on Twitter, Twitter spaces in the morning. Uh, typically, uh, like I'm on winter break right now. I work at a school, uh, so I'm on a little bit of a break, but I do plan on doing them 9 a.m. Eastern time. That's usually when I'm in my work commute. So if you just want to come in, listen casually, and just chat baseball, I'll be there. Sometimes Doug's there. Sometimes Joey's even there when he wakes up at, you know, what he calls early in the morning, which is like 930. He shows up 30 minutes late to the space. He's like, oh, I just woke up, guys. I'm like, Joey, you okay? I've been up since five in the morning. Like, let's go, dude. <laughs> Yeah, my earliest class at college is nine ten, so you know. So you, we, so you wake up at nine oh eight for that. I no, I literally do. Like I wake up, like I go, okay, I'm gonna get out of bed at eight fifty five. Like like I'll get out of bed at eight fifty five because it's a ten minute, fifteen minute walk. So I, I do actually roll out of bed in the morning to go to class. Very good shows in the morning. If you work at a school and you're commuting, it sounds like you're coming late to school. By the way, Barnes, what time does the school start? <laughs> So I'm I am not a teacher at the school. I just help do a lot of other stuff on the back end of the school business. Uh, so my workday starts at ten, and I work till six. Oh, okay. So you are a janitor. Uh, <laughs> I'm a master of the custodial arts. Yeah, he's a custodian. That's what we called them in school was custodians. We never called them janitors. Custodian is like a little bit like oh cool like he's a custodian. If you just say janitor, it looks like I have a big big mushy like mustache. You know, like I did in that one picture I sent to the group chat. But yeah, I'm a custo- I'm a master of the custodial arts, and well, I actually do various <laughs> other things. But we'll get preservation into that later. of the academic space. He's a he has a master's <laughs> in the preservation of the academic space. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> All right, guys, let's move into some baseball for the third week in a row. We are going to continue on with the ever evolving. Carlos Correa shit show. He's done with the Giants. He's ha- he has a half a foot out the door with the Mets. Uh, listen, 
he gets a bad physical with the Giants. The Giants and him say, hey, we both have buyer's remorse. Get me out of here. He leaves. Later that night, the Mets call him up, strike a deal. What what did they think is going to happen? He's going to go over there and get another physical. And the same shit happens. So now he's on thin ice with the Mets. And, and this is exactly how it happened with the Giants. It, it like, damn it, points. <laughs> it, it, you know he's going to take a physical. You know that there were just reports from the Giants, and now the Mets are not impressed with his physical. Guys, so are we going to see Correa in a Mets uniform? No way. No way. That's my vote. Real quick. Let's go around the horn real quick. We'll just vote on it. Barnes says no. John? I think it's a slight possibility on a much shorter contract, but if if you're saying same contract, not a chance. No, okay. is he a Met? Does, I'll go does... with yes. There's a okay. chance. Okay. I say yeah. I say yes, but I'm just sick of the crap. Um, I yeah. want it to end already. Yeah. Uh, Joey, what do you think? Well, after after a, a late night phone call I had with Steve Cohen last night, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. He is not a Met. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'm there too. I, I say he's going to be on his third team in three weeks. Um. When is it like go go Joey? I don't think they would have announced like this dispute if they planned on keeping him. You know, you know what I mean? Like the same thing happened with the Giants, though. Like we didn't know he was going to we didn't know he was going to, you know, sign. Like we thought they were just gonna work stuff out and he would still be a giant. But then we all woke up that morning and he was a Met. So like the same thing happened. I don't know. For me, I felt like when he failed the Giants thing, it was like it was pretty clear that he wasn't he was that contract was done. At least when I when I saw it, I feel like with this Mets thing, if they were gonna keep him, they wouldn't be this whole like oh we're talking process. I mean, I probably Scott Boris is losing his mind. Yeah, and he's like, you signed this and you did this, and I'm gonna just, like there's probably a lot of like posturing going on, and, and eventually you know they're gonna get out of it. Uh, you know what I what I wonder is how this affects Boris's relationship with a lot of these owners. Like if he's the guy bringing this like injury prone players to teams and like hiding their injuries and then like kind of like bamboozling these owners, you know, that could get him a pretty bad reputation. John, what do you think about that? I think, I I think Joe's got a great point. I think Scott Boris might not be doing himself any favors by faking some of these physicals. I don't know, faking some of these physicals is the right term, but it's there's some shady stuff going on. What I do think, like I said a minute ago, I think the Mets, just the way Steve Cohen's spending this year, I think he takes the 12-year offer, 11-year offer, whatever it was, off the table, and I think he just bumps it up and does something like, okay, like $35 for these next two seasons and we'll see how healthy you are after that. So that's kind of my prediction where I see it going. Cause I don't know too many other places now that are really going to be looking at Carlos Correa outside of the Mets. Like who else is there? So I believe, so, yeah, okay. I, I think, I don't know. I believe Steve Cohen has to make it work or else he's going to face uh, a penalty from major league baseball. He's going to face something because he, I think he spoke before Correa signed and they're saying that he might face something uh, discipline from Major League Baseball. So he has to make it work. I really believe it. But but if you're the Mets, right, you see that he failed a physical with the Giants. Don't you kind of figure he's going to fail a physical wherever he goes? So you're not taking that knowledge on knowing that he no. already failed a physical? No, not really, Doug, because every team, had, uh, their physical is different for every team. Some maybe the Giants physical is different from what the Mets, uh, the way they look at it. Maybe it's different. So that's why every team, the way they look at physicals is kind of different from every other team. So the Mets might look at it in a different way and they might say there's nothing wrong with them. But now it looks like what the Giants saw. I guess the Mets are looking at the same thing. So every team is different. Okay. Uh, Barnes, what input you got on this and then, and then we'll move on. I'm literally just thinking like, all right, because I, I think he's not going to be a Met. I think he's going to be on some random team. And I was just trying to think of like what what team could use a shortstop that is willing to spend a lot of money. And immediately my head was like, oh, he's going to be an L.A. Angel. Like 
he's going to be an angel. He's going to play with Rendon and Otani and Trout. And then all, all like all those guys, except Otani will get hurt, and then they'll bust again. So, and then someone, and then there'll, there'll be someone on this team that'll go, Otani is the MVP, even though his team didn't make the playoffs. And <laughs> it'll just, it'll just perpetuate that even more. So. I mean, don't be surprised if uh, the, tw- I mean, the twins went after him aggressively. So don't be surprised if the twins are talking to him again, if it happens. I, I literally feel like the twins will be his like last resort. Like, twins oh, hard. They, they got up. The twins, they made Correa their top priority. And when he left, it was a punch in the gut to where the franchise could have, besides Christian Vasquez, they really, they felt like Correa pushed them back. So they might go back into the sweepstakes again. I could, I could see it happening. Because really, plus, twins, their their number one goal this offseason was to bring back Correa. I mean, plus they know all of his physicals. They know his injury history. Like, they, they know everything. So it, it would seem like the Twins would be an easy sell back, back to that team, right? Yeah. I'm with you. Um, any last uh, comments about, about this? I feel like we've taken too much time from – we probably, probably could have done a whole, like – hour and a half long pot episode over the you know if we combined how long we've been talking about Korea like and, and we're gonna have to do it next week too when we figure out what actually happens. So I have one the question. new year after the new year he'll sign yeah. with somebody. If he has to take short term money, what do you think that deal looks like? Probably what did he get last year? One for thirty or one for thirty three? You think he'll take a one you think it won't be like a four for one twenty five or something like He's that? Gonna, I believe if it's a short-term contract, you're looking at a five-year deal, but I believe there's going to be opt-out in it. There's going to be like two opt-outs. I think he takes a one-year deal. Listen, if if I'm the Mets, right, keep his keep his whole deal on the board, but just switch the language of it. It's a one-year deal that vests into the full $12 million depending on his injury, you know, how, how healthy he is next year. If he's healthy, it'll vest into that full deal. Can base, can that happen in baseball? I'm just thinking out in my ass here. Like, can that happen? No, no, no. I think that's, that, that's what we mean by the opt-outs where he signs a four-year deal, but there's like two opt-outs in the deal. Like he got out after the first year, or he plays the second year, he can opt out after the third, after the second year. So there's going to be opt outs. Okay. Correa really messed up on this. I mean, his agent, they messed up. You guys heard it. Uh, Scott Boris messed up. All right. Uh, this, you know, we, we are recording on uh, Tuesday evening. And just about an hour ago, we all heard that Nate Evaldi going to the Texas Rangers on a one year, it's like a two for 34 that could vest and has incentives and blah, 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 blah. So it could be a total of like three for 63. Was it? I think Um, I'm going to send it around to you guys first, because I have some pretty strong thoughts on this. So I'll go last and maybe you guys will touch on it. Uh, Who wants the first shot at this? Kasim, you've been you've been an advocate of uh, of uh, Nate recently. Uh, what what do you what are you thinking, my man? Just to let you know, John, I was hoping the Yankees would sign him to a one year deal or a two year deal. I was hoping for that, but um, really, I mean, him going to I wanted them with the Angels. I mean, if it didn't, if it wasn't the Yankees, I, I mean, the teams they were looking at, I thought the Angels would be the best fit. Now him going to Texas, yeah, it's a great fit, but honestly, I mean. Two years, three years, yeah, it's a it's a good market for him. Uh, he got what he got. Uh, two years, thirty four plus incentives, yeah, equals up sixty three. I figured that contract would come through, but Avaldi going to Texas if he's healthy, you know, he could pitch. But boy, it's the wrong ballpark. And what what are they relying on up in Texas? Andrew Heaney, really? Who Degrom? He hasn't pitched in ten years. Uh, who else? John Gray, the bomb. Come on, come on. <laughs> Jake Odorizzi, really? The same 10 years ago of Jake Odorizzi. A lot of people just don't understand. I mean, Bleacher, Bleacher Report comes out saying this rotation is really nasty. Yeah, more like vomit. They stink, all of them. I'm sorry. 
I like Avaldi. I like the ground, but it's the wrong place. They got a nice offense, but you know, Texas, they need pitching. You need all the pitching you can, but what is it? Good for fourth place again? That's it. They're spending all this crazy money, but good for fourth place. They're not better than the Angels. They're not better than Seattle, and they're not better than Houston. There you uh, go. That's just the way it is. Joey, you had a shocking reaction to that. No, uh, I just I think Casim's the only guy that would like spit on Degrom like that. <laughs> it's 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 crazy. Like I think the Rangers are doing a good job of building their team. They're trying to build it fast. They're spending lots of money. They bought Seager. You know they've they've got a lot of guys they're building around. And like sure that rotation like could turn out to not be great because of like the injury stuff. But I think I think the point of that article was more that the ceiling of that rotation is potentially excellent. Like that could potentially be the best rotation in the AL West if if everyone's on their game. I mean, Degrom is is inhuman. I mean, he's in his own league when he's healthy. So and and Evaldi's a legitimate number one when he's going well. So I mean, that could really be an, a a very good elite rotation plus some good hitting, and they're in a favorable bar ballpark for hitting. I wouldn't bet on the Angels definitely being better than them. I wouldn't bet definitely on the Mariners being better than them. You know, the Astros, you assume every year figure it out. But I think the Rangers are at least making themselves competitive in that very, very competitive division. What fallout does this have for the Red Sox? Uh, obviously, Nate spent the last couple of years in Boston. And uh don't know what just happened to Joey, but uh, – you know the pe- people of the Red Sox wanted wanted him back. Uh, what is going to happen here? What what's the fallout from the Red Sox here? I mean, as a Yankee fan, just like looking at it, it's like, oh wow, the Red Sox are they really trying to do anything? Like John, we've got to be feeling really good about going up against the Yankees. Not that Evaldi ever really gave us any problems, but it's like, dude, like who are they starting pit? Who's the Boston Red Sox like going to pitch against us now? You know, they're really going for that Tampa Bay bunch no, of unproven like, guys. Bloom is going for that Tampa Bay. Let's get a bunch of nobodies to be our starting pitchers, like route. And that doesn't work in Boston. Like, this is Boston. This is a big market team. And you had opportunities to bring in decent starting pitchers. Okay, there wasn't an, really an ace out there. You know, DeGrom, you can make that argument, though. I think. Uh, what Joey was saying earlier, like, I think if all those guys in Texas hit the ceiling, then they're probably all going to get hurt when that happens. Like, those guys all have terrible injury history. So I don't think the Red Sox should have gone at the Grom, but there were other starting pitchers out there this year that it didn't seem like there was any interest in. I don't know what they're doing. That's a big market club trying to act like a smart, mar- small market club, and it's not um, working. For here's them. here's my issue with it. So I thought from day one of the offseason that Avaldi was gone. Right. I thought I'm going to give a little bit of props to Bloom and then I'm going to quickly take it away because he did he did a good thing and then a, a dumbass thing all in all in one freaking motion. So I thought giving him uh, Nate the qualifying offer was stupid because I thought there was no way after last year that he could refuse it. But the market for starting pitchers, you know, just boomed, right? So even guys who suck are making upwards of 10 to $15 million a year. So, um, it, you know, and then you give him the qualifying offer and what's attached to it, the draft pick, if he signs with a different team. So good job on anticipating that he would not accept the qualifying offer to get yourself a draft pick. So, there's a little bit of props to bloom, but then what happened? Well, he failed to get under the luxury tax uh, last year. So what happened was those picks, you know, the one that he's going to get for um, Xander and the one that he's going to get for Nate are, uh, are, are, are not as good as they should be because they went over the luxury tax. And what happened? I brought it up during the brawl the whole freaking Hunter Renfro trade where you trade for Jackie Bradley Jr. And you, he was only over the luxury tax 2.2.5 million. Like that's nothing. It's, you know, it's easy to lose that money, right? But but went over by 2.5 million. So someone find those tweets that, um, you know, I think they were, they were supposed to get like the 70th and the 71st pick. 
but because they went over the luxury tax, now they get the 133rd and 134th pick, something like that. Am I in the ballpark? I can't find my phone. I don't know what I did with it. It sounds about right. Yeah. So it's like, good job, Bloom, for getting the qualifying offer, but you screwed it over by, um, oh, there's my phone, by, uh, by, by going over the luxury tax. So, I mean, is, is there anything to that? Like, like, anyone want to expand a little I bit? I'm Bloom. You know his whole his whole thing is about like not spending, uh, a, you know, keeping a an economical team, right? And getting the draft picks and the sustainability thing. Well, what was sustainable about the JPJ trade? And you know, I I'm not using hindsight because I think Doug will agree with me on this. Doug and I were against that trade 1,000% when it happened. Am I right, Doug? Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah, 1,000%. Yeah. Most people were. It looked silly. It was, It was. I mean, even like, you know, Luke talks about in his brawl with you, well, you know, Jack, Jackie wasn't meant to play every day. So why are you trading a 30-home run guy starting right fielder for, for a fourth outfielder? That doesn't make any sense on paper either, right? So even on paper, on its best day, the trade made no sense. All Bloom had to do was not make that trade, and he would have got under his luxury tracks. He would have gotten his draft picks. And, you know, we talk about this, this window of winning, like the window of opportunity. Well, he started the Red Sox's clock, right? Now now we have to, we're have we going to go under it again this year, I imagine, because he's been such a miserable failure that he's just going to try to do a reset. But his big thing is they're going to have a clock. They're not going to spend over the luxury tracks for more than three years in a row. Yeah. So when he does that sort of thing, he's committing. So I, I don't know what he was doing there. And uh, Avaldi being gone for me, I, I knew it. I, I knew it the minute we entered free agency, he wasn't coming back. Uh, I, I'd like to see Waka come back. Uh, one more solid guy in that rotation, maybe move yeah. a couple people around, trade, trade some depth. one more piece, trade some depth for maybe like a, a, a better outfielder, an infielder, some, something, another bat. Yep. You're 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 hundred percent right, John. You have a question. Yes, I have a question for the Red Sox guys, Joey and Doug. So, looking at the Red Sox offseason moves this year, like I know you guys needed bullpen help. That's unquestionable, and the starting pitching's been been shaky. So, you guys, the you allocated you. I mean, there's two ways to look at it. You had Kenley Jansen, who is older, a lot of innings there, and there's question marks. You have he signed for sixteen million. Paxton, starting pitcher, signed for four million. Chris Martin, older reliever, signed for eight million. So you can take any of those two guys and remove two of those guys and keep Evaldi. Would you do it, or do you think that's kind of like the fair trade off the way that money was kind of allotted? Like you can say, you decide not to sign Kenley Jansen and not sign Chris Martin. You can have Nathan Evaldi instead. Is that is that something you would have done? Uh, I'm I'm all for. Uh... Kenley Jansen. I, I think that was a great signing. I I think that's I, I like it. Um him him and Kimbrell are like a couple saves away from 400 career saves. Like you're getting a legit closer for the first time since I mean Kimbrell. Uh, you know, and then they over the last couple of years they did some we'll just figure it out kind of crap, and you know, they never really figured it out. Um I mean I don't know. I, I, I'm all for the Jansen signing. I mean, the team is still worse than it was last year. No matter how you shake it, it's still worse right now because um, every single starter either severely that we, that is poised to start now as sale, uh, Bayo, um, Hauk, Whitlock, and I'm forgetting someone, uh, but they're they're all either unproven or they were hurt last year or struggled starting last year. Like Whitlock, he's a reliever; he's not a starter. So, so that's the whole issue. It starts with starting pitching. Every postseason team last year had a number one and a borderline one A or number two pitcher. The Red Sox don't have either of those. They do have Chris Sale, but he hasn't pitched in two years, so. You don't know where he's at. Um, that you needed to upgrade the starting pitching and you didn't. That's a failure. Yeah, it's 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 almost like it's a quality versus quantity argument. 
right? Yeah. It's like we have all of these starting pitchers. Look, we have a we have a lot of people that could we have probably like seven or eight guys that we could put in the starting rotation, but we need guys of quality. We need guys of that upper one, two, three echelon. We don't have a lot of that. Um, I mean, I know, I mean. I will disagree with you. Uh, Luke says Pavetta is the ace, so I'm assuming oh, Pavetta. Pavetta. Yeah, and yeah. Said, I think you forgot about him. He's obviously. I forgot about Pavetta. Yeah, but yeah, with John John's point is like the Red Sox shouldn't have to choose between getting two bullpen guys and Nathan Ivaldi. I, I I was pretty much resigned to the fact that he wasn't coming back, you know. But it would have been nice to add someone of a bit of a higher quality. I, I'd like Walker to come in just as a guy that like did well last year pitched like did a good job like we know he can start because god knows with our history especially last year like impending doom impending doom coming for this team especially in the starting rotation you don't think chris sale will be traded no not at all not not one half of one percent do i think he'll be traded look out for the padres the padres are gonna land him no he's at the bottom of his market I mean, what would you get for him? I mean, who, who's going to get the whole get point. You can, get, you can get rid of his salary, Joey. I think that's the whole point with the Red Sox. No, they're not going to dump his salary. They don't need no. a salary. What, what are they spending the money on this year? Nothing. Yeah. There's nothing left to spend it on. That's it. There's nothing left to spend, and they'd have to pay money to get rid of him. And then you're – so if those of you who think, hey, we could just package him with Devers, right, to, to dump a contract like he fucking did with Mookie Betts – right? Which was a mistake. We all know that was a mistake, right? So they're going to do it again and tarnish Devers' value with sale? They would, they would, they would run him out of Boston in, with pitchforks. And, no, and I understand that, but I don't, I don't see that. I don't see a package of Devers. I'm, I'm thinking of sale by himself. No. Sale I, by I, himself. He has no value. He has no I value. just wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't be shocked if the Padres come knocking at your door and tell you, hey, we'll take on the salary for Chris Sale and we'll add him to our rotation. There's still people, there's still teams that need they're rotation not, no. They're not spending the money on anything. They don't need the money this year. They, it's they not say, about the money. It's about getting rid of him. It's not. They don't have to spend that enough. He has one more year on his deal after this. He, we, we, we don't need to dump him. Like we, Financially speaking, we don't need to dump him. I'd rather see him be able to go and compete and actually start. Yeah. I mean, I unless the Padres the offer something significant for him, like if the Padres said, hey, like we're going to give you like, you know, some starting infielder that's of good quality, like sure, but they're not going to do that because he hasn't pitched in three years. Yeah. His value is too low for mm-hmm. that high of a salary. And the upside that he could provide is worth the $25 million he's owed, in my, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm very high on Chris Sale, even though he hasn't pitched in two years. I'm I'm high on him, and I, I I like him. I want him to stay at Red Sox. I was so happy when we traded for him because yep. he is that number one guy. He still is. He can be that number one guy. He's still an ace when healthy, man. He's still yes, dominant. Hundred percent. Still dominant. Exactly. So why would you trade him now? Like, I, yeah, I, I just I just don't don't see it. Uh, oof. all right. Did we answer your questions, John? <laughs> Let's. I'm just gonna throw a trade out there. I, this morning on the Space Barns, we discussed if the Correa deal with the Mets go, falls through, they could still be looking for a third baseman. All right, so I said, hey, let's package Devers to the Mets. All right, and I was talking to trade like Matt Olson type trade. Right, you trade him, and then you extend him and sign him. Right, you don't do this Juan Soto crap or you mortgage your farm system and you only have them for like two years. Um, You make sure that you extend him. So if he wants 12 for 360, you make sure you're offering 12 for 360 when you trade for him. Um, And in return, we'll get their third baseman, Beatty, and uh, the dude, Guillaume, who's a defensive whiz that can play pretty much everywhere around the, the infield. Uh, so that kind of irons out the uh, Trevor story, the whole shortstop until uh, Meyer gets back. What what do we think? Yeah, it yeah, was. Sorry, you go first. You haven't talked in a while. Yeah, it was a freaking awesome question on the space this morning, and 
you know, I, I took a second, like after we closed the space, I was like, you know what, let's actually think about that. And like, when you were like, Hey, let's talk about it a little bit on the podcast. I was like, you know what, the more I think about it, the more it does make sense, you know? And it's like one of those things where, Hey, you're getting Brett Beatty, who is their second best prospect who plays third base. who can also play in the outfield. Yeah. And he may or may not be ready for this season, 2023, which by the Red Sox plan, is okay because you're yeah. not playing for 2023. You could just get some schlub off the street. Hey, you know what? Let's just stick Bobby Dahlbeck over there. Let him be the laughing stock of Boston another year, and then we'll get rid of him. And then you're like, oh, now we have Brett Beatty and we have Marcelo Meyer ready to go. Bam, plug him in. Or, or, hey, Guillaume, you're going to play third base until Beatty's ready. And then that's that, or, or, Hey, you're playing second base and now we're going to move someone else over to third. Like it just made tons of sense as, as the conversation went on and the Mets, they're going to dump all this money into a guy. Anyway, the only thing that doesn't make sense is like, Oh, well, you know, he might be a rental, you know, in Queens, you know, which would be kind of weird, but it makes tons of sense for them. I don't know, John, what do you got? I absolutely hundred percent agree with this trade. Look, the Red Sox, Heim Bloom and John Henry know today, right now, whether or not they're going to offer Raphael Devers 12 years, $360 million. They know, like, they have the answer to that. They know whether they're willing to put give him that contract or not. So if they're not willing to give him that contract and give him the money he wants, they should. But if they don't, then you have to trade him and you get the best package for him. And in this scenario, like, you're trading away your third baseman, but you're potentially getting your third baseman for the next, you know, seven, eight years or whenever he's ready. You have that guy. So it makes all the sense in the world for Red Sox. Like, you know, right now, Heim Bloom, you know if you're going to give him this contract or not. So if you're not going to give it to the contract, just do the right thing now. Trade him to the Mets, who will give him that contract, and establish yourself with a really high-end prospect in a defensive ways, which alleviates so many problems. I'd hate to see it. As a Yankees fan, obviously, yeah. like I don't want the Red Sox doing something smart, but that would be the smart move for them. Yeah, trust me. Like this is not me saying that. Hey, I want to trade Devers, right? This is me saying I have zero faith in the ownership or GM that they're going to sign Devers. Like you said, I have zero faith that they're going to. So trade him. Don't keep him around and get next to nothing like what happened last year. Nothing for JD, nothing for Nate, nothing for Bogarts, nothing, nothing for any of them. And you could have traded every single one of them, gotten under the luxury tax threshold last year. The master plan. What happened to the master plan? Yeah. I thought he knows what he's doing. Again, you know, this isn't, this isn't us playing the power of hindsight at all. No, hindsight's happening right now. Like, hindsight's come. We saw Heimblum make these moves at the time and criticized him and said, this is bad. Why is he doing this? This doesn't make sense. And we were promised by uh, those who carry water for him, let's say, that, oh, it will make sense in time. You will see in time you will be able to tell the plan that is happening. And what's unraveled is the fact that I think Heimblum – is trigger shy. I mean, I, I I don't know what his issues are, but when it comes to the deadline, especially, I mean, we were going nowhere. If and if you had no intention of signing Ivaldi, JD, or Bogey, which which it feels like to me, I think at most they kind of thought they might be able to get Bogey. But yeah, had, Bogarts is the only no, one I'll give them a pass on. They had no chance they were even going to touch JD or Ivaldi. Right. They should have been gone, traded for, you know, whatever scrubs or middling prospects that they could have gotten them for. I mean, that's that's what Bloom loves. He loves if, those people, yeah. so why couldn't he do that? And if what nothing else, just you? trade him to get under the luxury tax. Yeah, and you're under the luxury tax, then you're getting your second-round picks, and you're all excited, and you're fuzzy inside. We have, I mean, it, it, it's so sad. I mean, this is stuff I've never even thought about until we had Bloom. like what draft picks we had. It's like... It's like a weird, it's like a weird mindset to live in. Like yeah. I, I like living in the in the in the Dave Dombrowski mindset of let's go sign that guy. Let's let's go give him three hundred million dollars. Uh, let's try and contend. Let's try and compete. <laughs> yeah, like giving up on a year is so weird for me. I mean, again, like if we trade Devers, like that trade you're proposing, I don't know how many years of team control Guillaume has. Uh, off the top of my head, I have no idea. I, I'm not. Sure. I know he's a little older. He's like twenty eight. 
So, okay. So if he's a short-term guy, I don't think it even makes sense, but let's say, let's say he's a long-term guy. I think that's like probably the most uh, non-sickening Devers trade I've seen. Like it doesn't make me want to puke, you know, cause Beatty seems like a pretty like legit prospect guy. Like he could be pretty like good in the future. He's a third base. It kind of makes sense. Uh, I don't want Devers traded. I think if Devers tra- is traded, this franchise is committing suicide for the next year or two years. So we might as well not even watch the games. Yeah, I mean, so he's not afraid. Everything. He won't why, be afraid. Why, do we keep, why would we keep or sign anyone? Why would we keep someone like Kenley Jansen on this team? Why would we sign him if we don't have an intention to compete? So it doesn't make sense. It never will make sense. And, you know, at the end of this year, if we don't have a winning record, if we're not in the playoffs, I mean – I think there has to be a reckoning for Heimblum. I yeah. think there has to be a reckoning. I'll, I'll give him the year to to live out his his fantasy, his plan. You know, fantasy island with Heimblum, right? Give it to me. But at the end of this year, he got to got to get the axe. So last year, Guillaume made eight hundred seventy five thousand. Um, this year, and he will not be a free agent until twenty twenty six. So you'll still have three years of team control before he's a free agent. So. You know, if nothing, like at least he's a defensive replacement whiz utility type guy later when the Red Sox are ready to contend. All right. Any final thoughts about this, Kasim? That trade will never happen. That trade will never happen. Why? With the Devers trade to the Mets. Why? Because the Mets don't have prospects. You're talking about uh, um, the left fielder? I'm talking to need more than a couple of prospects. No, I'm, Mets I'm don't talking, have top. Uh, no, 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 no. Beatty is their third base prospect. If they trade for Devers and sign him, they don't need him anymore. No, no, I know that, but that's only one prospect. Boston's uh, Boston Red Sox will be asking a lot more than just him and just a few others. You're gonna need right. for Devers, you're gonna need a Juan Soto type deal. I'm sorry. Yeah, but Juan Soto had a year and a half of control, right? Or is it two and a half years? Yeah, but Devers it's gonna cost the world to get him, man. It's gonna. You'd have to give up Alvarez. You'd have to give up Beatty. You'd have to give up probably another top prospect. Look, you're gonna. It's gonna take four or five prospects. I'm not lying to you. Okay. I actually agree with Kasim. I think. I actually. I think you need to be admonished, uh, Doug, for using the trade value finder. <laughs> listen, you're an enemy of the people. Okay. Listen, I just used that to get in the ballpark, right, and then use my own brain. And think if it if it's feasible. Like, I'll believe you. I I think though, <laughs> you know, the, the trade value finder has ruined theoretical trades has, permanently. 100%. Yeah. Because because it doesn't take into account a lot of factors. And then any trade you propose that doesn't use it, you'll have someone like Derek come out and tell you why <laughs> you're wrong. And I just it just I hate it so much. And especially like Devers, it undervalues Devers, obviously, because it doesn't include the opportunity to sign him and all these other things and whether you're trying to win and like what's your priority. It, it doesn't include a lot of things, right? It's basically, I mean, I think it's a calculation based on war plus control. I, I don't know exactly how it works yeah. and money. money. Uh, it should be destroyed. Money. And I think Kasim is totally right. It's going to cost a lot more than just Brett Beatty. Okay. Yep. That's, that's fine. All right, let's move on. Um, Kasim posed this question uh, as part of our agenda for tonight. What are you looking forward to the most from the World Baseball Classic in the spring training? Kasim, take it away, man. I want to hear your thoughts first. Well, um, for me, uh, once spring training starts, that's when you know the smell of baseball is back. So uh, that's when you know spring is almost here. And why I said the World Classic Baseball is because baseball will be starting early. Before opening day. So we get to watch something, something uh, meaningful. Like if you're a big fan of whatever team you're rooting for in the World Baseball Classic, it's going to have a meaning to it. So it's worth watching. It's just, you know, for me, when I said that, when I came up with with that topic, it's because the closer we get to spring training and the World Baseball Classic, that means we know that spring is almost here and baseball is almost here. That's why I always feel the excitement. We got to go through the trenches and the cold and the depression of, you know, December, January, and the beginning of February. For me, once February is over, for me, spring training starts and all starts in March. That's when the games begin. I'm not worried about workouts or whatever they're doing. For me, it's all in when the baseball classic starts and when official games of spring training begin. 
So um, just for those of you listening, if you didn't know the World Baseball Classic was uh, starting this year or taking place this year, it starts on Wednesday, March 8th and runs through Tuesday, March 21st. Uh, spring, it looks like the first spring training games start on February 25th, which seems really early, doesn't it? No, it starts like that, but they play like what, college team or something? Yeah, okay. So, so all right, we're, we're through – we're through, we're almost through 2022, right? We're, we're almost in January. And then it's like the teams are going to start finalizing their, their, their rosters and everything, you know, free agency is run its course almost, you know, you're just picking up a complimentary piece here and there. Um, so what about the other guys? Like, what are you like? It was pretty cool. We had the world cup. And, and now we have the World Baseball Classic. Like, these little things are pretty cool, right? Uh, John, you unmuted yourself first, so you're up. All right. <laughs> That's the way to do it. I won something this week, and not including, you know, after losing so brutally in fantasy football, I'm glad I got my unmute button done first. That really makes up for it. And those two beatings I got from Joey. Um, look, <laughs> I love the World Baseball Classic. You know, um, obviously, I root for America, the United States. Yeah. Um, you know, we play to win. United States, we're all about winning. Like, you win, and then you're on to the next thing. So, obviously, I'm going to root for the United States. However, I do enjoy with the World Baseball Classic, you see some of these other countries where they're just playing for pride. And there's yeah. something about that. Like, when you see, like, guys out there, and, like, they are trying to win for their country. Like, it's just a matter of pride. Um, like that first year when Japan won, I just I still remember them winning like that game and the celebration. And for me, um, like I'm rooting for the United States first. They're my number one team, of course. That being said, if we don't win, and I don't really think we're the favorites this year because we don't always have the best rosters, I really root for the Dominican Republic. You have this tiny little island that lives and breathes baseball. Like the, mm-hmm. the from the moment like kids understand what baseball is, all through adults, like baseball is life in the Dominican Republic. So what I believe they won a couple of years ago. I think they won once and I just would love to see them win because, you know, like if United States win, yeah, we win, but we move on the next day. Dominican Republic wins. Like that's going to be an awesome party throughout that Island for months on end. So, I mean, I just, I love the world baseball classic rooting for United States first, but if we don't get it, like let's go Dominican. Cause that's a, that's a tiny little country, tiny little Island that absolutely deserves a win. Yeah. Well said. So this year, that that the thing that strikes me as different is all these big names are coming out and saying that I want to play. Like I don't remember. Like, listen, this team is stacked: J.T. Romero, Will Smith, Pete Alonso, Goldschmidt, Trevor Story, Nolan Arenado, Bobby Witt, Tim Anderson, Trey Turner, Boogie Betts, Cedric Mullins, Kyle Schwarber, Mike Trout, Kyle Tucker, uh, pitchers Merrill Kelly, Nestor Cortez, uh, Kyle Freeland, Brady Singer, Wainwright, Logan Webb. And you got Bednar, Dylan Tate, Devin Williams, Clayton Kershaw, like uh, being managed by, by uh, Mark, Mark DeRosa. DeRosa. Like th- that's a stacked ass team guys. <laughs> yeah. But look at the Dominican team. Yeah. <laughs> look at them. No, about John was right. It's all about pride. Like, especially, you know, teams like the Dominican, the Venezuela, uh, you know, just like he was talking about when Japan, Japan, I mean, Japan takes that thing serious. It's not a joke. When they, you know, teams like them, when they find out when is the World Baseball Classic, they start training like, hey, let's, let's, uh, you know, let's point out, let's see who we can get on this roster. Let's try to get everybody because this means everything. So like John was saying, yeah, it means, this means the world to them. I mean, it's, it, he said it, it's pride and um, they're going to try to do it. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I wow. mean, I, I see a lot of teams with a lot of good players on their roster. It's not okay. a joke. I'm a little afraid now. <laughs> I didn't look at that. that yeah, look team at Dominican. Right look now. how good they are. Alcantara, Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, Luis Castillo, Brian Abreu, uh, Diego Castillo, Emmanuel Classe, Felix Bautista, Jan Duran, uh, uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez, and then uh, hitters, you got Gary Sanchez, Vladdy, Jose Ramirez, Jeremy Pena, Manny Machado, Starling Marte, J-Rod, Juan Soto, Eloy Jimenez, Devers, Francisco Mejia, Ketel Marte, Nelson Cruz, Pedro Severino, Cano, Cano? Oh, that's surprising. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez, Wander Franco. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get teams like Japan where probably half of those guys could play in the Major League Baseball, yeah. but they 
choose, choose to stay in Japan yeah. or Cuba where like you don't know any of these guys because they all stay and play in Cuba, but they have dominant pitching that comes out of Cuba. Like mm-hmm. it's just it's so much fun to watch as a baseball fan. Barnes, what are you looking forward to, man? Uh, you know what? It's I like don't really pay too much attention to World Baseball Classic, and it's like a shame. It's like one of those things where I look at it under the aspect of like what what's going to happen if I don't know. Let's say you know the, one of the most injury prone people in the world, Mike Trout, gets hurt during this uh, World Baseball Classic. Like say he say he like tears his ACL going going out for a fly ball. You know yeah. Julio Rodriguez who just won freaking Rookie of the Year. Like you see one of these young stars get hurt and like literally could ruin their career. I understand that the world baseball classic to some people is like way more important than just a, a season mm-hmm. or like a two year career or whatever it may be, you know, cause that's kind of how the world cup is sometimes, but it, it's like, what does that do for the major, for the MLB? You know, I'm going to, I'm going to play that, that side. Like, Oh, like, you know, part of me was like, how come Aaron Judge isn't playing? And now I'm like, thank God Aaron Judge isn't going to play. We just paid him this huge contract. I don't want him twisting an ankle, like going out for a ball. Hold on. Right. He's not playing uh, Barnes? I I don't see him on the roster. He's not on the USA roster? I thought he was on. I, God, Doug, I hope not. <laughs> I hope Look, he I isn't playing in that. <laughs> Look, like, I know that's what, that's, that's what the managers and owners, yeah, that's what they're afraid of uh, when the players go on and play. But you can't take away a player that wants to represent his country. I mean, just... I, I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm no, I know that. No, no, I know that. But that the managers are afraid of their best players going out. Yeah, and I've seen injuries happen before in the World Classic, uh, in the World Baseball Classic. I've seen it happen. That's what I you're afraid of. I would be surprised of, but... if the Yankees didn't allow their players to play in the World Baseball Classic. They have a rule. Nestor Cortez because... is playing. <laughs> Famous unpatriotic organization. It would it would make sense to me. I thought Judge was playing the whole time. I really did. All right. Um, Cool. So yeah, definitely looking forward to that. Uh, It'll give us a little more meaningful baseball earlier. uh, You know than than those you know uh, C squad versus the Boston College you know team in the in. late february all right um last segment uh 2022 best moments uh this one's sent in uh from barnes uh we put up a tweet from bleacher brawls um uh, a poll trying to you know get everyone to say what the best moment was and the overwhelming majority said one of the the best moment was uh, Albert Pujols getting 700 home runs. Um, I want to hear it from you guys. What, what do you guys think? Did either be, I want to hear, um, you know, your best moment from the season and your best moment from Bleacher Brawls because this is our last show of the year. 2022 is over, moving into 2023. So let me know, guys. Who wants, who wants it first? Barnes is your, your, uh, your uh, agenda, so, so you're up first. Sure. I'll, I'll, I'll take a crack at it. I mean, for me, the MLB moment of the, like for me personally, my baseball moment of the year was seeing Aaron judge hit number 62. Like that was just so freaking exciting. You know, I wrote a little column about it, you know, at the beginning of the year, we definitely didn't think that Aaron judge would be doing anything like this. We didn't think he'd be chasing this. And then it turned into like, it reminded me of when I was a little kid watching Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire go at it. It reminded me of watching Barry Bonds go for it. And I mean, Aaron Judge didn't set the league record. It was just the American League. It was just a Yankee record, but it made it like so freaking fun for me this year. So that is my baseball moment of the year. And then my Bleacher Brawls moment of the year, it also revolves around Aaron Judge it actually took place during a brawl between John and Luke, where I now have a recording of Luke saying on air on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Aaron judges the MVP and it's actually John's ringtone every time Luke calls. So it's like super exciting and fun for me. That was my bleacher balls moment of the year, because there is literal proof of Luke saying Aaron judge is the MVP over Shohei Otani. 
All right. Which the voters also agreed, and Judge was the MVP. John, what about you, man? So my favorite baseball moment of the year was earlier in the season. It does involve Aaron Judge. It was back in – it was like May – the first couple of days of May, the Yankees are playing in Toronto. Aaron Judge crushes a home run. There's a, you know, scrum for the ball. Toronto fan picks it up and hands it to, like, this, like, eight, nine, ten-year-old Yankee fan. The, like, the kid – and the kid just a joy on his face. He, like, bursts out in tears and hugs the fan that gave him the ball. Uh, the next day, both those guys, the young kid and the Toronto fan, got to meet with Aaron Judge. It was just like you watch that video, like the pure excitement on that kid's face. Like that's what baseball is about. Yeah, uh, that's what like what Aaron Judge does to the Yankee fans, which is why I'm so glad he came back. Um, it was just just watching that video, and I watched it earlier when I saw Barnes's question about this. I wanted to go back and watch it to make sure I remembered it correctly. And it's just it's one of those things that really tugs at your heartstrings. Um, I've had a lot of great Bleacher Brawls moments, and I'm struggling to come up with uh, just one. Uh, I very much love my profile picture where I dressed up pretty much as Matt Carpenter, and even though he's not with the Yankees anymore, I'm really struggling to take that down. Uh, though I think, I guess, probably my best Babe Bleacher Brawls moment, if if it is my best, would be accidentally or inadvertently blurting the words that I'm a Tyone lover and just getting that thrown back in my face again and again. Because <laughs> every time I had it thrown back in my face, it was like perfect timing, which made it hilarious. So like that was it, man. <laughs> yeah. Nice, awesome moment for Aaron Judge. Um and and from our last episode, Barnes, you know, Judge was Santa. He gave out 62 presents. So one of them to that kid. <laughs> All right, Cassim, you're up next. Uh, my moment of the season uh, that I was really excited about was Aaron Judge. Uh, carried the Yankees, number 62. Uh, you can't beat it. Just like uh, Barnes said, it reminded me watching Sosa McGuire with the chase, Barry Bonds. Just watching history in general is, is amazing. My bleacher ball won't moment. I, well, I haven't been on here too long, so I don't have like much of maybe a scrap between me and Barnes. That's about it. <laughs> but, the, the Urshela debate. Oh, yeah. Urshela yeah, and Florial, Florial baby. Missing, yeah, Esteban Florial, the bums. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I liked when he didn't know who Pat was. I <laughs> yeah, I think it's been so long that I'm like, that's Pat, Joey's moment. That, that was pretty funny. So you got to forgive me on that. <laughs> All right, Joey, wrap us up here. So my favorite baseball moment uh, is when I was at the uh, Pavetta shutout in Boston, and that was just crazy to watch. I mean, pitchers just don't do that anymore. They don't they don't throw in nine innings anymore, and that's back when the Red Sox had hope. So it it also didn't feel meaningless. It felt like oh, we're turning the season around, right? And that and that was right about the time when you know luke was was declaring pavetta the ace and that evaldi should be sent to the phantom zone and all that and uh my favorite bleacher brawls moment I, i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna say they're kind of combined because me being at the pavetta game kind of led to this joke where whenever like an event happened i'd be like oh i was there like i i was there like, like I, I was there like luke i remember we were talking about like our favorite i, I did like a an impression of a movie and uh, from On the Waterfront, and Luke goes, 1952, premiere of On the Waterfront. Joey was there. So, uh, you know, that that's my kind of my favorite moment. It's like starting that whole meme that I, I was there. Nice. Uh, I definitely voted for um, the, the Orioles and their long win streak, and they're just out of nowhere season. That was so, such joy. When they were in that 13-game win streak, I think I went to like, two or three of those games during that win streak and it was like just walk off city uh which is really cool uh and my bleacher brawls moment is meeting all of you guys getting getting to know all of you and just talking baseball and shooting shit with all of you joey's about to cry <laughs> hey do we want to do another little joey's woes segment oh joey's oh impromptu joey's woes you got anything ready, Joey? Uh, yeah, I got to come up with something to complain about real quick. Go for it. All right. Well, uh, you're thinking I'll pose a I'll pose a call your shot. This one was actually posed by Kasim when we were talking about the Rangers rotation. Uh, I came up with a question. 
uh, call your shot. Rangers, how many Rangers starters uh, over under 20 and a half games started? So we got DeGrom, Avaldi, John Gray, Martin Perez, and Andrew Heaney's fixing to be the rotation. And Casim uh, called them vomit instead of a powerhouse because they all have injury histories. So Casim, uh, over under, uh, well, mm, how many you, pitchers? How, how many pitchers do you think are over 21 games started? And how many pitchers do you think are under 20 and a half games started? One guy will pitch 21 games, and that's the Grom. Everybody else, down. All if right. I have to give a, a close number two, I'd say Avaldi. But look, if you have to go into the season relying on John Gray and Andrew Heaney and freaking Jake Odorizzi, you can have fun with that. Go ahead. Enjoy fourth place, guys. All right. Barnes, you're <laughs> muted. I've got I've got three pitchers over 20 games. I've got DeGrom, Avaldi, and John Gray. Now those games are gonna be ugly for John Gray. The games are gonna be ugly for Evaldi, <laughs> but they will pitch over 20 games. <laughs> they're gonna um, get there, but they're gonna they're, be nasty. <laughs> they're, it's not gonna be pretty. It's going to be vomit. But it will be 21 <laughs> plus games started for those guys. Ugh. John. <laughs> yeah, I don't see DeGrom starting 21 games. I don't know how that guy pitches with wow. a pitch clock. Like every time he throws a pitch, like, all right, MRI, like how injured is he? Like, I just don't see that happening. Uh, I have no faith in DeGrom. I'll go too. I'll say I think Evaldi because he's got like vesting and incentives. So he has reason to start and like maybe fight through some injury. Uh, and then I don't know why, but as you pose this question, I just got this gut feeling that Andrew Heaney will make 21 starts. I don't know why. I have no reason to believe that. Like he's, he's never really done anything to make me think he'll do that. But for some reason, I'm like, yeah, this, I don't know why. I just have this feeling that Andrew Heaney will somehow manage to make 21 starts. Kassim, so, you're like having a stroke over there. We're not saying that <laughs> they're going to be good starts. We're not saying quality oh, starts. <laughs> they, they will be like four inning starts, yeah, but, uh, eight runs allowed. They but... dished out contracts to the wrong guys. Wrong guys. <laughs> All right. Uh, man, I, I was torn between two or three. Uh, I think Kasim talked me down to two, so I'll, I'll say two. Who they are, I have no idea. <laughs> I ain't even gonna guess because I don't know. Now, but I'll, but. would you rather Texas Rangers or Boston Red Sox starting rotation? <laughs> Quick, you know just, Texas That's or Boston? Close. John, which would you rather have? Right. The Yankees Man. starting pitchers oh, all God. die in a plane crash tomorrow, and you right. can replace them with either the Texas Rangers or the Red Sox projected starters. <laughs> Who do you take? <laughs> I guess I I guess I'm taking the Texas Rangers because I, yeah. I don't I expect the Boston rotation to maybe make a few more starts than the Texas Rangers starting rotation. So the Yankees would be facing the Red Sox, and they'd be doing having to bullpen games every time they played because all those guys would be hurt if it were the Rangers roster. I, I don't know. It's that's, that's a tough one. Man. That's fair. Rotations are horrible. Uh, all right, so who's it, next up? Yeah, Joe, same. we haven't heard from you for a while. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to be the optimist. I'm going to say uh, four of those guys hit <laughs> over 21 years. <laughs> I'm going to be the optimist. And right. I'm going to say, I'm going to say DeGrom's and of all these games are excellent, and I'm gonna say that everyone else's are probably a lot, a lot more mediocre. But I, I think, I think they're gonna have a good year. <laughs> uh, Barnes is wondering if you found that on the Trade Value Finder website. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. I don't know how to use the internet anyway, so I wouldn't know. Fair. All right. Are you are you got? Are you ready for a two minute Joey's woes? Sure, sure, oh, sure. Here we go. Go for it. So first, I want to start you off with a story. You know, the other Two day minutes. I was Two I, minutes. I, I was mixing with my, you know, when you mix your college friends with your high school friends, you guys ever do that before when you mix your, so I, we, we mixed and my friend from college knows that I do a, a podcast. He knows, but my friends from high school don't, because this is kind of like, they'll make fun of me more. And it will be like, you know, I, I don't need the clips played every time I walk into a room. 
But my friend was probably not in a great condition. And he goes to my friends, you know, he's upstairs with my friends. I'm not around. He goes, so do any of you guys do the podcast with Joey? Like, what's that like? And they're like, what podcast? And then they started yelling at him saying that he was making it up. And then there was a big fight started. Right. And then obviously he had that older woman come and, you know, grab him. Not very nice later in the night, but uh, for, for baseball, I, I, again, I don't want to make another targeted attack on Heim Bloom. I really don't, but I'm tired of the tease. Heim Bloom's a tease. Heim Bloom, much maybe like some other people we know is a total tease. He comes in <laughs> and he says, we're going to get a, we're going to get a, we're going to get a nice closer. We're going to get some bullpen help. You know, we're going to win short term. Oh, we're close to a deal. He teases you. He lures you. He makes you think he's going to give it all to you. He makes you think that you're going to have this great, great team coming into 2023. And then he takes it away. He goes home. I'm Bloom goes home. And that's what's happening this year. He, he, he rampants, he ratchets us up. He makes me hopeful. He, he gets me going. He gets me excited for the Boston Red Sox. And then he goes home. So once again, um, much like how he spends over the luxury tax by $2 million or much like how he signs bullpen help, but doesn't keep Bogarts and doesn't sign quality people. And is not going to go over the luxury tax this year. He gets you close enough just to think it's going to happen. And then he takes it away. And I have a real problem with that Heim. Nobody likes a tease. There you go. Joey's woes with two seconds to spare. All right, guys. Uh, any final thoughts for this episode? Someone, someone give me something. I just wanted to say, hope you guys had a great 2022. I hate the Astros. And here, here. Aaron Judge is the MVP. <laughs> John, good luck with the punishment. Doug, <laughs> I'm rooting for you to win fantasy football. Joey, just remember, we love you and that this is a safe space. And I hope that your friends find this bit and they use it and they play it in front of your, your college friends and your high school friends. Uh, we're going to Puerto Rico uh, for New Year's. We're going to be in San Juan. So uh, I'm, a, I'm actually on a scouting trip. I'm on a scouting trip for the Boston Red Sox right now. Maybe I'll check out some of those Puerto Rican Winter League games, you know, check out the uh, check out the players. There you go. All right, guys. Anything else? Happy New Year, boys. Happy New Year. All right. So that's going to do it for our last episode of the year. Um, we started Bleacher Brawls, you know, uh, podcasting on a regular basis. Uh, when was it, John? Do you remember when our first episode was? I'm pretty sure it was end of April, maybe beginning of May, but okay. pretty sure end of April. Yeah, Did it so take we... us that long to, to sever ties with Mr. Cushman? That, that name is not allowed in here. <laughs> Voldemort. <laughs> Voldemort. There you go. Um uh... Yeah, the first episode came debuted on May 18th. There you go. All right. So, uh, yeah, hope, I hope that um, we get some more steam going into 2023. We get a full season, no BS lockout, no BS anything, you know, other stuff. Hopefully the Astros fall off a cliff. Um, and, uh, you know, I hope we just have a great season and uh, a great another great year of of podcasting, uh, uh, YouTube and Twitter, everything. We're everywhere, guys. So if you haven't found us yet, you want to find us because we Nick Pavetta is going 21 and four, says Joey. Wow. Late addition to the chat. Holy crap. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, listen, YouTube. Uh, you know, we talked about the Devers trade uh, earlier today. Um, I know Derek's going to be putting out a column shortly. Um, and he has a couple trade ideas for Devers if the Red Sox do not extend him. I don't think it's to the Mets. It's probably with the Dodgers because the Red Sox only seem to trade with the Dodgers. Um, and the Brewers for fucking Renfro. <laughs> Um, all right. So you can find us at bleacherbrawls.com. You can find all of our archived pods. You can find all of the episodes where Luke said something that was just completely wrong. All right, John. John's nodding his head. 
Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's not hard to do. Just listen to pretty much any episode that Luke is on, <laughs> or join our group chat. I don't. My, know. my one question is: at the beginning of next year, when will be we be allowed to get off the bandwagon? When, 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 or is the bandwagon permanent? Yeah, we need we need Luke's line in the sand right now. <laughs> um, we started this year without Barnes and Cassim. We picked them up during the year, which was awesome. Glad to have you guys on. Uh, you guys know what you're talking about, and uh, we're glad to have you. Check out, so I said, check out bleacherbrawls.com, YouTube. Uh, any free agents, any big deals that go down, any big whatever, we always throw out a YouTube video. So when breaking news happens, we throw it over to YouTube, and you can get our initial reaction, analysis, commentary, all that. Uh, if you don't really know what to make of it, we'll give you a couple ideas. Try to sway your opinions, all that stuff. And on Twitter, we post everything we do through Twitter. So if you need to know um, where to find us, just there, and you can find links to everything. So I am Doug, your host with the most. I was joined by four of you, plus myself today. Normally, we... we uh, we uh, just have four on today. We had five because we found John on the side of the road, decided to pick him up, throw him in the bus, and let him talk a little bit. So thanks for joining us uh, <laughs> tonight, John. Um, we had Barnes. We had John. We had Cass. And we had Joey. I'm Doug. We are Bleacher Brawls. Have a happy new year, and we will see you in 2023 for the Orioles' victory in the World Series. <laughs>